All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. Uh, for all the links, for all the things, you can find us, buddywalkwithjesus.com. To support the ministry, you can find us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash buddywalkwithjesus. And last but certainly not least, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. So I am excited for our guest co-host this week uh to to set the table a little bit uh i'm bringing on this week a friend a colleague will pastor will as he's known um we did an episode of another show called the whole church podcast kind of um opposing points of view on the whole church thing um, I'll let Will uh, introduce himself, but this is exciting because we hope to shine a light on um, just how different kingdom citizens can be in their approach, in their philosophies, all of those kinds of things, and still unite under the kingdom and under the lordship of God. So, Will, why don't you go ahead and tell them about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Really honored and humbled to be on on your show. And um, yeah, we're we're colleagues in the whole systematic geekology podcast, nerdum, geekdom, geeking out on on comics and superheroes and sci-fi and processing how that relates and intersects with our faith and belief and posture in the world. And so, it's been a lot of fun doing those episodes with you. And then here's another intersection and kind of uh, family tree branch going out from that into, um, you know, the world of, of how we do church and how we do discipleship in our community. So uh, glad to be a part of this and on, on your show and love Joshua and whole church. And there's just so many cool stuff happening out there and, and this whole kind of medium of broadcasting and podcast uh, in in the church and faith world, where people can can listen and tune in and and grow with the community. I, I think again, there's there's a lot of um, you know stuff out there, probably not our taste, but then there's like these things that God allows as tools to help us unify and be together and create relationships and community around. So pretty fun to see how God is working and all that. Um, yeah, as you said, I'm, I'm a Lutheran pastor in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I grew up in, in Wilmington, North Carolina. I was a lifelong Lutheran from uh, my mom's side of the family from Racine, Wisconsin. They get their Lutheranism from Germany and then Wisconsin. And then they were uh, Navy, uh, a Navy family that moved all over the world, literally, and then landed in North Carolina towards the end of her high school and 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 going to college and met my dad in north carolina and and grew up lutheran uh, in wilmington and at wrightsville beach grew up a beach bum on the coast of north carolina uh, but was raised in the lutheran church had a great great family experience great church experience but of course growing up a 
punk surfer kid, um, restless who didn't like to read and didn't like to sit still and gave my Sunday school teachers and pastors a hard time growing up uh, as a kid and as a teenager. Um, irony and God's call and providence uh, led me into the ministry. It was uh, towards the end of my high school um, life and early college that I started to take my faith a little bit more seriously. There's a number of kind of medical things, relationship things that kind of woke me up out of complacency and started, um, pushed me and challenged me to ask some bigger questions about what life is and what is it worth and who is this Jesus guy and is he real or not? And, and, um, yeah, I was captivated and intrigued by this guy named Jesus. And, and, uh, he called me, uh, to follow more closely. And eventually that led to, uh, thinking about ministry and going to seminary, um, at a Lutheran seminary in South Carolina. Then after seminary served a church in South Florida as a youth pastor in a pretty big church down in South Florida. And then my wife went, wanted to go back to school and get her doctorate in education and literacy. So that moved us back to Columbia, South Carolina, served a smaller church there, a fantastic church. And then when she wrapped up her doctorate, we were like, what's the next stage in our lives? Our kids were in elementary school. So we thought a good time to move was then. And so uh, 10 years ago, we moved uh, to the Triangle area here in Chapel Hill in North Carolina. And um, I'm in pastor at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church on the doorstep of University of North Carolina here in Chapel Hill for the last 10 years. And uh, they put up with me and my sense of humor and my love of surfing and my love of Star Wars and geek stuff. And we do a lot of fun stuff with the North Carolina Comic Con and, and God Loves Geeks book club here in my church. And and then all that's branched out with, you know, the, the rise of podcasts and geeking out out loud with, with people you, you uh, come into relationship with. And so Joe and I have known each other. How long has systematic ecology been going on now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so not even a year. And um, and yeah, I just love how these trails and um, journey and like we said, the like vines on on the branches keep growing out into our relationships and communities and seeing what God does does with them. So glad to be here with you and and how you do life and discipleship and faith. It's so interesting that out of all of us, you would think that you being the pastor and the communicator and all of that kind of stuff would have your own show, but you're one of the few people out of the group that doesn't have their own show, but you're on enough of our other shows that you might as well, you know, that you basically have your own show just going around and doing guest spots on other people's stuff, you know? That's right. It's, it's, I, like, I, I have the gift of gab, so I can hop on anybody's show, but I don't have to do the editing or setup and that kind of thing. So it is it is a little bit uh, sneaky of me to, to like not have... I've toyed around with like if I had an own show, what would it be? And um, um, and then at the beginning, you know, Joshua and I brainstormed you know, systematic ecology and, and talked through that some. And I was like, you know, um, I don't know if I can be on like every single episode. So why don't we get a conglomerate of people to kind of teamwork this out? So we have a lot of hosts on that. So, so yeah, going around and having conversations with folks on their show is, has been fun and, and always jump at the opportunity to talk with friends and, and, to, and wrestle with stuff together. It's so, and it's cool because for, for SG, we have this core group of people that 
are similar but incredibly different in the way that we approach this whole god thing and getting a chance to be able to nerd out but in but inevitably bring it back to god and bring it back to the cross um it is so powerful in the testimony that that brings to the kingdom you know what i mean and and that kind of that being a theme for several of us that are within the systematic ecology family brought us to this episode that we did for the whole church and to set the table a little bit so you guys are aware um a go over and take a listen to the to the episode once it's live um but b so we we entered into this conversation coming from two different view, viewpoints right you come from a very liturgical background you come from a very structured very regimented sort of background whereas for me coming from the the home church um world and the smaller church world you know that where it's non-denominational it's not as ritualized and things like that we find ourselves approaching this from two different points of view and one of the things that really stuck out to me when we were doing that kind of tasting menu of sorts with the questions that we were answering and and all of that was the fact that yeah no we we could absolutely you could tell where you and i don't see eye to eye you can also tell that we are two people like you said that gift of gab that if we wanted to we could go 12 rounds with the ref and go back and forth and have that spirited debate and it could be a lot of fun but at the end of the day what happened first and foremost above anything else above any of the other rigmarole or anything like that was this spirit of unity and that's something that has been a huge huge thing within the life of this ministry you know there are a lot of things right over the last couple of years there's a lot of causes to get passionate about there's a lot of things to stand up for there's a lot of things to to social justice causes or what have you that in and of themselves aren't bad right but above all of that is the unity that we have in the kingdom and if it's not something that is in direct contrast with the Bible or in, you know, salvationary or whatever, then then why? What are we what are we dividing for? And I know for myself, I've fallen I've fallen prey to the temptation of um drawing those lines for myself you know what i mean calling out the church over the last couple uh, over the last couple of years and how exposed so many christians have been by the things that got taken away or the approach that they've made towards addressing people and things like that and god's been working me through this whole process of opening up the doors and saying okay we're all on the same team 
that matters. Yeah, I think, you know, I think of, of Jesus and the call of disciples and the 12 that, that he called. I mean, how different they were. You had fishermen, you had zealots, you had tax collectors, <laughs> you had rabbis, you had, you know, the, this conglomerate of, of this team of 12 that were very different. And I think that was intentional to kind of be a, to show the world of, of the, the differences, but also the unity that can happen. And then you, you get to the four gospels are written per, to particular communities and they have different takes and slants and theological views and of, of who Jesus is. And you get to John, the gospel of John, which is the uh, scholar says the, the, the latest written, um, of the gospel and the gospels. And you have John 17, uh, Jesus literally praying for the unity of his church. Why was he praying? Because maybe perhaps it was a problem he needed to pray for the community was wrestling with. Like we need to lift this up uh, because we need to figure out how to be unified. And then, and then the, and the church of acts, you have Peter and Paul who are, who are wrestling with, you know, how we're different. We come from different sides. We're different communities we're ministering to. We disagree on some, some issues, but yet how do we become one church? And those those epistles and scripture are really ironing out and wrestling with what does it mean to be the church together, um, even though we may be in different contexts or communities or whether it's a fishing community or a city community or um, a house church or a synagogue or whatever it is, they're they're wrestling with how can they be one family, uh, in one family tree, and still see the world lift a little differently or have different styles uh, when it comes to that. So, and that's what I like about systematic theology. We have about 10, 11 hosts uh, potentially on that group, and all of us come from different backgrounds and see from different angles. And I think that's what gives it a kind of a fuller breadth and depth uh, to to the life of faith and i think that's the potential there yep there can be um differences can can be hard and and um and conflict will arise because we're people but but ideally it gives you a, a a broader deeper richer understanding of of how god lives in the world and, and being a sports fan being you know here on the doorstep of north carolina i don't know if anybody watched um that Michael Jordan special on Netflix over the pandemic, um, you know, the last, the last dance and you see his, the, the team like, yeah, clearly Michael Jordan's the goat. He's, he was the best player, but yet he needed teammates. They all had their roles, whether it's Dennis Rodman or Scotty Pippen or, or Luke Long or whatever you, you had folks that, that had their roles and they were all so different, but they come together on the court and they have one purpose together. And so how can the church do that too? And then being a church, you know, pastor, right? People that come into the room or the sanctuary for worship on Sunday to, to hear the word, to have Sabbath, to catch their breath, to refocus their lives and faith. Everybody in that room, uh, whether it's 10 people or, or 200, are different and are wrestling with all kinds of things and have their own vocations and families and backgrounds. And so how do we understand that we're different, but also under the same umbrella of, of God's grace. That's one of the things that has has stood out to me that I think sometimes can get lost in the shuffle as far as everything goes is when you're when you are a leader in a church, if you are ministering to people and you have been um you have been tasked with the responsibility of shepherding individuals. It is one of the most, one of the most challenging aspects of it 
is the diversity in the in the room just just within that particular room and then for this most of our community for buddy walk is international we uh the largest majority comes from india there's we have people listening from all over the world and that also is an exercise in remembering that every person that comes to this isn't coming from the same point of view and the same kind of approach and things like that and and i think remembering that especially for those of us that are in leadership roles is in, it's incredibly vital right because otherwise we're teaching people to think like us i don't want you to teach like if i if i am if i am teaching you i don't want you to learn how to think like me i want you to learn how to think like jesus i want i don't want you to learn how to follow me i want you to learn how to follow god yeah that's that's huge and i i often use the analogy and it's hard you know when you're in a leadership position your ego can get in the way and make things more about you than it is about the church. I try to remind myself this church, um, Holy Trinity has been here long before I was here. We just celebrate our 75th anniversary. And so they were here doing things way before I got here. And then they will be doing hopefully things long after I'm gone, whether I retire in this place or, or die or move on and take another call. They're, they're going to, I I'm equipping them to keep doing ministry for their context here in Chapel Hill uh, uh, doing campus ministry and reaching out to this this neighborhood um, and beyond, like way after way after I'm gone. And, and yeah, I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor. That's what it means. Um, pastor literally means to shepherd. But um, I, I like to use the analogy that I'm not the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. I'm the the sheep dog who is there to bark at you or nip at your ankles to stick closer to the real shepherd. Maybe I'm doing some herding. I'm a herd. I have a I have a, a, a dog that's a, a herder dog and, and he whines when we're not all in the same room so <laughs> uh, or, or tries to direct us in one direction when we're walking. But I, I think that's kind of my role here is that that, yeah, I'm shepherding, but I'm, I'm the sheepdog. I'm the one barking, uh, nudging, nipping at folks to make sure that they stick closer to to the shepherd capital S. It's so refreshing to me to hear from somebody that is more liturgically oriented that discipleship is something that is of importance to the system you know i one of the core things for one of the core things that has stood out to me in the short time that i have been a christian is the fact that we can get so wrapped up in all of the rules and the regs and the um, the the rituals of it all, and you can have all of that. You can have every single bit of the songs and the rituals and all of it. You can literally have all of it and not have God. But in order to have relationship, you need to have God. Yeah, I think Lutherans, or at least the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, over over the last decade or so, have recognized that you know we're a shrinking mainline Protestant denomination, and there's a lot of reasons for that. 
in terms of culture and different things. But I think there's been a kind of a, a wake up or revival or re new reformation happening. The pandemic sped it up a little bit where, you know, are, are we about this just for institutional survival? Are we doing this just to, so that the institution or the church building can survive because it's, it's always been there? Or is there a deeper mission? Do churches, do denominations, do flavors of Christianity have a shelf life as something on the shelf in a, in a, in a grocery store? Um, you know, it, it's, it's okay if it has a shelf life, it served its purpose for a time, and then God's doing something new in, in another body or, or, or transformation or evolution, however you want to, what word you want to use. But I think this growth uh, or understanding that it's not just institutional survivors. So yeah, there's one hand I'm understanding this church hopefully will last long past me, but if it serves its purpose and its shelf life is up and it's not, that doesn't mean the, the whole church capital C or that the work of the kingdom or that the gospel is, is, gonna die it's just gonna take a new form and and be embodied and spirit filled in another location so yeah i think our church has gifts for this community i think the lutheran church has a has a good take on on the gospel and understanding of grace and interpretation of scripture and i think that's still valuable but but whether we have church at 11 o'clock wear this kind of robe and sing this particular song or light this particular candle every single sunday until now when jesus comes back no, that's not necessarily the case. Things are going to evolve and grow and and be transformed, um, you know, as as God moves through us too. So I think you know there's that kind of balance of of not just fighting for institutional survival, uh, but but being attuned to what God is up to in the world and movement of the Spirit and being a part of that, um, listening, discerning what God is doing, the action of God and and being a part of that rather than like, this is what I think we should do because this is my particular style of song or my personality type or that kind of thing. So um, it is about discipleship. It is about um, helping people get closer to Jesus. Not, I don't necessarily want people to become like members of a country club or members of a, of, uh, you know, some kind of, club or society or extracurricular activity, I want them to grow in their faith and encounter a living, loving God, and then have them be so captivated and encountered by that, that they, um, it fills their life. And that can be, um, something that impacts their world and relationships and communities so that other can, others can continue to be captivated by the, um, love and, and grace of God as well. And that takes intentional and responsibility. It's the same way with our relationships, right? Like, yeah, I could be married, but we could go through our routine week in and week out and just kind of wake up, have breakfast, go to our jobs, come home, watch TV, go to bed and barely talk to each other or explore our lives with each other or, you know, uh, it, marriages, relationships, family, um, all that. My, my relationship with my job and vocation, I just come to work, clock in, clock out and not be engaging or life fulfilling. And I think faith and church life can be that way too. So what is, what is a, a deeper, richer understanding of our relationship with God, not with me, not with the church, but hopefully we're a tool in the midst of that, that the rituals are ways to help us go deeper, that the sacraments are a way to understand that God's just not an abstract idea, but literally touchstones physically in our weekly lives. Um, 
hope that makes sense a little bit because I think that that could be a danger in our relationships and especially with 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 God as well. Yeah, trying to trying to box God up into specifics in you know in the way that we interact with him is a very dangerous prospect because we lose out on a lot when we manufacture the relationship in the terms and conditions if you will of of how we interact and you had said something that that registered with me about institutional survival I almost feel like sometimes with the home church movement and this whole missional community movement that we're fighting for institutional relevance. You know what I mean? Like to be almost like to be taken seriously in in certain regards that we're not just a whole bunch of people that are trying to say, you know, we want spirituality, but we don't want religion and things like that. And for better or for worse, there are there are those of us that are in leadership that people look to, that people look to guidance from and, and people look to for support and, and kind of a cue to do what's next. If you're going out and baptizing people and ministering to people and doing all of these things for the people that were weren't working working specifically with Jesus but still going out and doing it he said don't stop them don't stop what they're doing and i think for for us that are in those leadership roles and have been called to that responsibility that other people are watching us to see what it is that we do and how it is that we interact with people that are quote unquote across the aisle in our setup we believe in equipping every single saint that walks through that door. That this is not a cruise ship. This is not a spectator sport. And if those of us that are that other people are watching can, you know, to quote again, the philosopher Rocky Balboa, we're on the same team. That goes a long way in showing other people that, hey, we can't. We can't live in these echo chambers. Society wants us to, and society wants us to jump on our social media bandwagons and, you know, yell to the same five people and all of those kinds of things. But that's not what the entire concept and precipice of unity is about. That literally goes against the entirety of where, of the posture that we're called to be in. Yeah, I think... Um... Man, I resonate with that in terms of speaking to our echo chambers and and yelling out and patting ourselves on the back of the same 10 people, encouraging one another and patting themselves on the back for what they're doing and not being a spectator sport. I mean, yeah, there are times when like, yeah, I want to sit at the feet of someone who has a different experience or wise or uh, listen to their podcast or expertise, whether it's in astrophysics or theology or whatever. It's like, yeah, I want to learn. I want to sit at your feet. But then how am I being equipped and coached to go out and and share my gifts with the world as well? I mean, um, like you said, like it's a busy, noisy world out there. And so sometimes the church feels like it wrestles with its institutional relevance and it has to scream louder or scream over. And I just don't want to add to the noise. I don't want to add to the feedback. I, I want to I'd rather just be quiet and listen and then do one on one 
and small group rather than trying to scream louder than the the group next to me. So I, and there's different personality types. It doesn't, you know, you don't all, not everyone has to be introverts. Not everyone has to be extroverts. Not everybody has to like this or like that. You don't even have to, you know, Jesus didn't say you have to like everybody. He said, love everybody. You know, it's like, there's people that I just don't get along with and don't like. And, but they're still in the family within the church or in the family of humanity or my Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And there's parts about myself. I don't like, so he didn't say you have to like everything about yourself, but love, love yours. Yeah. I want my well being. I want to grow fuller into the person God calls me to be. And I want that for my neighbor too. Um, whether we see eye to eye on every issue or not, or we, I, I don't find their jokes funny or whatever. Sometimes we rub the person wrong way and vice versa, but how can we, love one another and understand that we don't have to um, agree on every single issue, but, but how can we work together as, as a team? And um, that's what I like about what you're doing, what whole church has been doing. Um, man, I just, what, what DJ and Joshua have kind of opened up that conversation. Um, if you would have asked me a couple years ago that I would be like helping out or a guest spot or like a couple 20 year olds who are, grew up Pentecostals, <laughs> uh, to, to be a kind of in partnership of, of unity. I was like, what, what are you talking about? Uh, but here's God doing God's thing. And, and here we are in conversations and relationships and encouraging one another and growing with one another. And man, I'm just, I just marvel at that. And yeah, there's a lot of crappy things in this world, but man, this, this Jesus story is still, still has legs and it's still doing amazing things 2000 years later. And and regardless of whether I mess up or screw up or what, it's going to keep going. I just want to be on on the on the team and and be open to how I can use my gifts to help others grow closer to the true shepherd. So, um, and I get caught up in the competition or or the noise of the world too. I'm, I'm you know like how can I get our brand or our understanding of the gospel out there, and how how can I share with folks? Look, if that style Christianity is turning off from God to say like, yeah, well, that's, there's a different way of looking at it. Or someone that has an understanding of God as, as being like, um, judgmental Santa Claus slash Zeus in the sky, ready to strike you down. If you cuss in traffic, I'm like, look, I'm atheistic towards that God too. I don't believe in that God. There's a different God I, I believe in. And this, this guy named Jesus helped show that for me and models that for me. Let me introduce you to him. So that's that's what I keep doing, and, and I marveled at how God opens doors uh, along the way, whether it's in the church or Comic Con or Surfing Buddies or Systematic Ecology or people that listen to your podcast from India. You know, it's like that's so cool. You know, we're literally across the world sharing our our stories and encouraging one another. Even a year ago, if you'd have told me that the when with the series of guest hosts coming on that one of the the most excited guest hosts would be a lutheran pastor from a hyper liturgical church i would be like wait what you know what i mean like why what would i have in common but the idea is that you know we have the the beauty of God is that 
we it's all there's always a plurality to the mission right we're always called to push forward the kingdom to bring other people into the fold to minister to other people to love other people it's always this posture of other people before yourself and the whole idea is that you know however long it is between now and the second coming and all of that not to get into that whole rabbit trail of conversation but however long that is we are the the game plan is to continue ministering to people and for some people they resonate with somebody that you know like you the whole idea of like what you like don't be a jerk sort of thing and and somebody that you know is needs needs help being able to be vulnerable and things like that and somebody who has seen the hell of this earth and all of those kinds of things and somebody who needs to understand the freedom that we have in the kingdom first and foremost before anything else before the rest of the stuff comes to understand that they are loved to understand that they are prayed for to understand that they can be vulnerable that it's a safe place all of those kinds of things that for some people is the way that you need that the, the way that they need to hear the message other people it's like working out right i love working out i love it's it that that and getting in front of the microphone that's therapy for me and when i step up to the plate every single morning god and i walk into the gym and it's about getting the reps in it's about doing the work now catch this what happens to that person who that's the way that their mind works and every single sunday what they need to hear and where they need to connect with god is getting the reps in of saying these prayers of doing these songs of doing the routine of getting those reps in and suddenly out of a byproduct of that you know you may not one week to two week might not necessarily bear a whole lot of impact one week to the following month or the following year every single week of getting those reps in suddenly you've grown leaps and bounds in your relationship with god in a way that goes so far beyond just the the prayer and the song and the routine and i'm god has been opening my my eyes to the fact that there are so many of us that have these different gifts and these different stylings these different ways of presenting the very unique relationship that we get to have with god and the power that lies in us being able to bring our own unique gifts to the table to help minister to people and to push forward the kingdom. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you're talking about working out, like don't skip leg, leg day, right? If you go in and just do like curls and you work on your arms, cool. Uh, but, but man, you got a lot of muscles in your legs. And um, I got a little bit of a left knee problem uh, from surfing a lot, but also like I skipped a lot of leg days. So I probably need to, you know, I'm probably going to strengthen that knee a little bit more and have a little bit more longevity. But, but yeah, I mean, like how uh, is your church just doing like arm curls all day or, 
you know, how can you be a well-rounded, well-balanced uh, church? So sometimes we get too caught up in the liturgical seasons and the sacramental nature of, of the life of the church and not think of evangelism or discipleship or being a little bit more bold and outspoken when it comes to what we believe. And so, all right, Lutherans, let's, let's not, um, you know, just, just do this one exercise. Let's, let's be a well-rounded balance. And that's where our, our, our relationship with other communities and other styles of, of how to do Christianity is, I think is, is super important. Um, so that's, that's what you, you know, you try to do. And it, and it's, it's a continuous process. There's never, a, like with working out, there's never a chance you, you arrive and say, oh, okay, we're done. I'm, I'm, I've done all I can do. It's an ongoing, transformative process of evolution of God growing in you and and taking you where you're being that doesn't stop. And, and perhaps even after um, we are, our time, is up here on earth that that may perhaps there that process still happens when we're with the lord it's not like i i die i'm resurrected and i know all things that i'm like god they, they may be still learning and growing i don't know um we um i just i'm a part of a of a faith and science group called science for the church um i'll make a plug for for their website and email they do a great job of kind of interdenominational from evangelicals to liturgical churches to talk about how you integrate a healthy conversation between faith and, and science. And um, we did an interview last fall with a member of my church who's an epidemiologist, and she is at Duke and working with, man, if, if that if that vocation and calling isn't uh, relevant now in a pandemic and post-pandemic world, I don't know. But we had a conversation about how she integrates faith into her vocation and her worldview and what she does and her research it's on the science for the church uh, youtube page our, our conversation and it was just so fun talking about learning from her her learning from me that not everybody has to be a pastor not everybody has to be a professional christian up front preaching every sunday but you can live your life in your vocation whether that's um, writing comic books or studying viruses or studying genetics or looking at the stars or writing poetry, being a teacher, um, all that could be a part of how God is calling you to live out your faith in the world. And I think that unity, sometimes we get caught up into, well, the pre how is the Presbyterian ministers and Baptist ministers talking with the Lutheran ministers and our denominational bodies? But I'm like, what about the people in the pew are living their everyday life? How are they living their life and their conversations and understand they're part of one big family tree as well? Yeah, that's a very important piece to the entire thing because even outside of just, you know, it's it's kind of a no-brainer in certain regards when you look at leaders and things like that. Like, yes, part of the responsibility is shepherding the people, right? Of leading the people and all of that kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. But that being said, that's not the... That's not the extent of all of that. When we are living our lives, not just from the pulpit, but every single day, the other 23 hours out of the day, what, did it, what is it that we're doing and how is it that we, are, that we are equipping other people and what is it that we are living out and what message are we putting forward to the rest of the world because like it or not 
we are Christ representative here on earth. The things that we do matter. You know what I mean? C.S. Lewis says that um, when we, when Christians misbehave, we make Christianity unbelievable to an unbelieving world. And that really matters when, when you look at the entirety of what it is that we're, that we are called to do and being able to just have conversations. Let's start there. You know what I mean? Even past the whole teaching aspect of it and the whole, you know, yes, there's a big part of this conversation for guys like us in particular that has power with a very particular group of people with leaders and, and, and denominational folk and all of that kind of stuff and, and different sects of Christianity. And how do I, how do I open the doors of communication with this particular other group of people without, um, making it about my side versus your side. Uh, but at the same token, that same idea goes beyond just the leaders in the pulpit. How do I have a conversation with another group of person that is different from me or believes something different than me and not fall into the trap of tribalizing and cannibalizing your fellow man? Because if somebody disagrees with you, that just means they disagree with you. That doesn't make them evil. That doesn't make them automatically wrong. Right. Yeah, and I think um, you know, in our work with faith and science being here um, – on the doorstep of UNC, we have a, a professors and, and doctors and, um, you know, whether they're medical doctors or doctors of economics. Um, and then we have a lot of students on campus ministry go into the science. And so, so what we did is, is we create these environments and situations and, and opportunities where we gather together and, and perhaps we like, all we do is spend time just saying, all right, let's, let's list a name out loud the questions that that won't leave us alone, uh, whether it's with scripture or the world or, or the mysteries we're wrestling with. And today we're not going to even try to answer them. We're not going to try and fix them. We're not going to tell somebody it's the wrong question. Let's just put on the board, the whiteboard or whatever questions you have. And and, let's, and we and somebody gets the ball rolling, the ice is broken, and we put these all these questions, whether it's how we interpret Genesis 1 and 2 in Evolving Universe or whether... Um, you know, the problem of evil, the suffering, all, all those things go up on the board. And then everyone's looking around the room like, you know what? I have that same question. We share that. Uh, we share that common space. That's That question won't leave me alone either. Um, man, we're like, okay, let's sit with that. Just, just, just be with each other and know you're not alone. And then we'll later on create community and conversations where we can um, – talk about how we respond or answer those questions or a book that we found helpful or a teacher that helped us through those things later on, but just speak, take some time just acknowledging the question and being curious with the question. And so I think our job as leaders within the church um, or in our community, faith communities is creating those opportunities spaces where people can get together and have honest, authentic conversations with each other um, and be more curious, less judgmental in the midst of all that. Yeah, and that's uh, we live in a world right now where the boogeyman is the whole idea of deconstruction, right? That's this four-letter word that keeps getting tossed around that oh, we don't want people to deconstruct and all of that kind of stuff. The the issue is is 
deconstruction in and of itself is a beautiful thing. As long as the thing that you are analyzing and the thing that you are actually wrestling with and reconciling is the gospel. And there's open and safe environment to be able to unpack the questions that you have. I listened to so many of these deconstruction stories where it became this fad and I decided, okay, let's find out what is being said. What exactly is the common thread here? Because there's so many of them that it there has to be something to this. And time after time, I hear people that we get we get 30 seconds into this conversation and I'm like, okay, great. That's I, I, I want to keep hearing what you have to say and all of that kind of stuff. But it's already painfully evident that the gospel that you were heard that you heard is not actually the gospel. We need to start there. You know what I mean? Or that man. OK, so th something like the, the problem of evil, right, which is something that doesn't necessarily plague me, but does plague other people that I know this being it being this taboo thing to talk about or like the whole idea of mental illness and all of that kind of stuff. You know, all of these questions, if they if they cannot be in, be addressed, if Christians cannot be willing to step forward and say, this is something that I know people wrestle with or this is something that I wrestle with. And if we can't get past ourselves enough to be able to have open dialogue, then all you're doing is creating an environment for that wound, that question to sit and fester and become much more than it ever should have been in the first place. Yeah, I like the, um, uh, man, one of the movies I really love is, is the Lego movie. Like, I think it's funny. I think it's um, uh, well done. And this whole idea that you have to super glue your, your, uh, your, your building together so it would never be as moves and never touched. Legos are meant to be built and taken apart and do something again with it. Now, how are being good steward with those Legos? Sure. Can you build something wrong that's dangerous or, or hurtful to other people? Sure. Um, but, but our faith, you know, I don't, I hope that my faith when I was in first grade Sunday school, um, is not the same as it is now. Like, I hope I grow and evolve and, and deconstruct, reconstruct this. I think deconstruct is, can sometimes be a boogeyman, like you said, because it just means you're going to deconstruct it, leave it. And I'm, I'm done with it. But, but hopefully, yeah, I hope, oh man, back to the working out analogy We're we work on our muscles because we're breaking down, deconstructing our muscles so that they can grow back stronger. That's what we're doing to our bodies when we're working out, we're, we're deconstructing our muscles so they can be reconstructed in a, in a healthy way. And so that, that's hopefully what's happening within the faith and to, and to be understand with each other. I think so far, a lot of times our institutional um, mainline Protestant denominations get defensive when it comes to like the doubt word or the question word or, you know, they're like, because they, they get so defensive that they're going to lose you. Oh gosh, we're going to lose another person because we're bleeding members. It's like, well, it's not about you. It's not about bleeding members. It's about helping someone have a healthier understanding of their relationship with God. And so that defensive move of just so scared you're going to lose another person or my kid's not going to church. I have older members talk to me all the time. It's like, I'm just, 
I worry about my kid. And I'm like, why? It's like, well, they're just not going to church. They're in college or they have a young family. I go to church. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, why do you want them to go to church? Because we always did that as a family. Okay. So they're not, so you t- you're being, um, you're taking it personally. They're not choosing your exact path for use. That's a re- reflection on you. Well, maybe their, their faith is taking a different journey. Maybe they're finding a different way or how are they growing? So what's the question behind the question? What are you wrestling with? Um, I think that's important um, to think about w- when it comes to that. But I, I love it that we're having this conversation um, about deconstruction. I mean, I'm part of a Lutheran church that was like, let's deconstruct <laughs> what the church is in the 1500s, and uh, and and think of and Luther was like, biblically, I'm not seeing what's being preached and taught uh, as a part of the biblical story of of what Jesus did. So we're going to deconstruct this. And uh, he was like, I'm not starting over. You know, I'm not throwing the baby out with the baptismal water, but I, there's some big things that need to be deconstructed and reconstructed. And, and we're still doing that today. Um, I think this kind of call for war. I mean, was the lead singer for Skillet the other day, just as a viral video going around calling out deconstruction faith as, as a false religion and, I don't think he knows what that word means. Um, I don't think he knows what's going on with people. He hasn't stopped to listen long enough to hear what people are really going through. It's so interesting when you, I think it becomes easy to think that other groups don't get it. You don't think like me, so you don't get it. You must not, you must not wrestle with the same things that I wrestle with. You must not deal with the same things that I deal with. And the reality is guys, if there's anything that I want you to take away from this conversation, it's that, again, to go back to the to, to the beginning, we are two men that are leaders but have two very different takes and approaches as far as this goes. But there are common threads that we can relate on, on because that's kingdom. And that's leadership within kingdom. And that's working within the kingdom. And that's dealing with people. That's working with people. That's all of it. Everything that's built upon. And if we can get past the conversation blocker of you don't think like I do, then suddenly we realize, oh, wait a minute. This person that I'm sitting across from is also a human being, is also somebody who has to walk this earth, not of this world, but in this world, right? We are called to be set apart. And our message in and of itself is offensive enough for the world. It pushes against what the world says. We need to be aware that we aren't falling into all of the other traps. That is not the end of that conversation. It's the rest of how we work this thing out that also matters. So if what we're being called into by the, you know, next Christian celebrity or the next Christian talk show host or what have you is more of the same of tribalize, draw boundary lines, all of that kind of stuff. No, I'm not sitting here ribbing the lead singer of Skillet. He says a lot of things that I do agree with, but it doesn't, there's it's so tempting to in the name of god standing up for what you believe in and all of those kinds of things be doing a god flavored version of the very thing that we are watching other people do 
Yeah, and rather than like shaking his fist and say, those deconstruction people, they're like the enemy. What what would be the approach be like? Yeah, I know he's metal, he's hardcore. That That's cool. I like that music too. But it's kind of like, rather than taking like, let's go to war, when I was like, hey, you know, it, obviously these people are deconstructing are going through a hard time. Let's pray for them. Uh, let's listen to them. What's their story? Like, I want to hear your story. Why? Why is this... Why, why is this going through help? How can I help you in this? Um, what about what, how much more effective, I guess that wouldn't have gone as, as viral on stage as the other one. And so that kind of, you know, if you want to go viral and get people's attention uh, and get more clicks, it could be clickbait, but um, how much more powerful would it have been to say, Hey, let's, let's pray for them. Let's be open. Let's think through, think through that together. Um, you know, and again, my, my wife in, in the, in her classroom, uh, with the teacher she's teaching, she shows a TED talk called the, uh, the danger of the single story. And, uh, someone talking about race and nationality and, and how that can happen in the classroom. And so what if, you know, Joe was like, Oh, Will's a Lutheran pastor. And that's the only thing he saw me as. And he had this one understanding of what Lutheran or Lutheran pastors are. And he just kind of labeled me that forever then man, there's a danger in that single story. But he also knows that I love, DC Comics and Star Wars, and he knows that I'm a surfer and I like to work out, and and that I have a family, and and that um, I'm curious about all kinds of questions in, in the universe, and so that all those intersection of my story of I'm not just a dad, um, not just a, a bald surfer, I'm I'm also a guy uh, that has many other loves and wants and and desires, and so to see that whole person of who Will is, help Joe and I become closer as colleagues in podcasting and ministry. And so I think that if you're going to take anything from this conversation is when you look across the aisle or someone who is a different brand Christianity than you see them as a whole person and, and the danger of, and be beware of the, the danger of the single story, just label them one thing, but they're a full person with so much complexity and mystery attached to them. Well, man, this has been an absolute blast. I'm so glad that that you joined us, and we'll have to uh, do this again soon. Do um, you want to go ahead and uh, pray us out? I will. I will. Let's pray. Gracious and loving Lord, there are a lot of questions that won't leave us alone. There is a lot in this world we don't understand, but we ask that you continue to guide us and lead us as brothers and sisters in Christ, as people who want to draw close to the shepherd and guide us through an often noisy and complicated world. I pray for Joe and for Buddy Walk with Jesus that he'll continue to reach and grow and expand his reach um, around the world to help people hear the gospel and apply it to their daily lives. I thank you for these opportunities and relationships and, and, um, all that you call us to do for our communities of faith and for those who are listening, uh, make your grace and love known and real to them now and in the days ahead. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And there's a Lutheran praying without like a form prayer in a Lutheran handbook. I just, I just did a prayer uh, uh, on the spot. How about that? How about that for breaking down stereotypes for Lutherans? <laughs> 